You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Welcome to this week's edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. And as regular listeners will know, uh, I've made it something of a custom to begin with a shout out to all of our new listeners. And I'm going to do that again this week. Just a forewarning that we do have a very large number of new listeners this week. So it is quite a long list, but here we go. So, this week a shout out to our new listeners in London, Cardiff, Guildford, Bristol, Ipswich, Southampton, Birmingham, Portsmouth, Derby, Swansea, Norwich, Chelmsford, Leeds, Doncaster, Sheffield. That's all in the UK. Then we go across the water to the Netherlands and we have new listeners in Rotterdam, Amsterdam and Utrecht. And then we go into Scandinavia, where we have new listeners in Norbotten and Stockholm in Sweden. Then we come back into Europe, and we have new listeners in Luxembourg, in Portugal, from Porto and Lisbon, from Barcelona in Spain, from Milan and Rome in Italy, from Freiburg in Switzerland, from Vienna in Austria, from Prague in the Czech Republic, from Baden in Germany, from Harjuma in Estonia, from Moscow in Russia, and then we travel down to Africa where we have new listeners in Kampala in Uganda and Johannesburg in South Africa, and then we travel east to India where we have new listeners in Karnataka and Tamil Nadu, and also uh, in, around the Indian Ocean region we have new listeners in Sri Lanka. So a big welcome to our new listeners in Sri Lanka. Then travelling back into Asia, we have new listeners in Beijing, in China, and in Tokyo, in Japan. And then we have new listeners in Australia, in Adelaide, in Sydney. And then travelling to South America, we have new listeners in Parana, Sao Paulo, and Rio de Janeiro, in Brazil. And then travelling to the very north of America, we have... New listeners in Canada, in Alberta and Quebec. And then in mainland USA, we have new listeners from California, Colorado, Kansas, Texas, Missouri, Illinois, Georgia, Florida, Virginia, Maryland, New York, New Hampshire, Massachusetts and Nevada. So great to have so many new listeners this week from literally right around the globe. Uh, a big welcome to you, and of course a, a good welcome too to all my regular listeners. I really do appreciate all of you taking 30 minutes out of your week to catch up with all that's new in the world of GDPR. And in just a few moments, I'll be telling you about this week's episode of GDPR and what GDPR Weekly Show and what we have coming up. Just before I do that, just a reminder that if you have any uh, suggestions for articles or any feedback for me, please do email at podcasts at insurety.co.uk that's e-n-s-u-r-e-t-y dot co.uk or go to the podcast page on the insurety website so that's www.insurety.co.uk and then go to the podcast page and there you'll find details of all our podcasts all the episodes of the podcast and also details of how to make contact to give any feedback on the podcast. And I'm always welcome feedback, good or bad. And also any suggestions you might have for future things you'd like to see in the programme. I know that a number of you find the programme really useful. And that's really rewarding for me. 
So, um, as I say, without further ado, in a few moments, I will tell you what's coming up in this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. Check us out on Facebook. So, coming up in this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show, we have some good news for councils, uh, councillors, and indeed candidates in the upcoming local elections here in the UK. Then we have some results from a survey of charities of all sizes, from charities uh, with turnover less than £100,000 up to large charities with turnovers in excess of half a million pounds. So it's the results of a survey of charities. And then we finish this week with a look at the implications of a new data breach law based on GDPR, which has been introduced over in the US in Massachusetts, and whether that might have any impacts or uh, likely modifications going forward that could affect GDPR on this side of the Atlantic. So, as usual, a mixed bag of articles. I hope you find them interesting. And once again, thank you for listening to the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Some good news this week for anyone who is in the public sector as an elected representative or indeed the whole body for for those. Um, When GDPR first came in, it was made very clear that all individual elected representatives, whether that was from the MP, if you like, at the top of the tree, to a parish councillor at the base of the tree, all had to pay a registration fee uh, under GDPR. They had to pay their relevant registration fee annually to the Information Commissioner. Um, Subsequently, a number of councils, and in particular smaller councils, such as parish councils and town councils, have been lobbying the ICO to say that this puts an unnecessary financial burden on smaller councils because for very small parish councils then the annual fee to the ICO represents a reasonable chunk of their council's whole expenditure. If I think of one parish council local to me here then the fees to the ICO for all their councillors plus the council itself probably came close to 5% of the total expenditure of the parish council for the whole year. So, various lobbying groups have been making overtures to the ICO to suggest that this might want to change. And it's particularly relevant this year because many local councils across the country are having local council elections and the rules on requiring to register would also and pay the fee would also apply to prospective candidates, so people standing for election to those parish or town councils, district councils, borough councils, etc. So, 
The good news is, is that from the 1st of April, the ICO has ruled that the Data Protection Charges and the Information Amendment Regulations 2019 have taken effect, which exempt the processing of personal data by members of the House of Lords, elected representatives and prospective representatives from requirement of payment of the ICO uh, GDPR registration fee. Now, it's important to realise that this new ruling only means that you don't need to pay the fee. All the rules, everything to do with GDPR, very much do still apply, but it means that a fee is no longer payable by elected representatives, and they've explained that elected representatives means uh, members of Parliament, members of the Scottish Parliament, members of the Welsh Assembly, members of the European Parliament, elected councillors in county councils, district councils, London boroughs, town and parish councils, elected mayors and police and crime commissioners. And also anyone standing as a candidate for election to any of those roles, again, has to follow the rules of GDPR, but doesn't, has to still register with the ICO, that's important, everyone still has to register, but you don't need to pay the fee. So that's some good news for those who work within the public sector uh, as councillors or other elected representatives. I will just add on the end of that, that of course, as I mentioned, we are coming up to, or indeed in the process of, the local elections for many local authorities, be that at district or borough level, or indeed at town and parish level, in right across the UK. What I would say is please make sure you have procedures in place to make sure that information about GDPR and the individual councillor's obligations are included in your councillor induction pack for any new councillors and also that you've arranged training for those councillors in GDPR. Do, do not assume they will automatically know what they need to do because they may well not do so. And indeed it may be um, relevant for councils to consider providing GDPR training for prospective candidates. So if your council would like to provide training to prospective candidates, or indeed not necessarily to candidates, but to new councillors once they've been elected, and you don't have a mechanism in place for doing that, then please do get in touch without delay to me at podcasts at insurety.co.uk. That's E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y.co.uk. And I will happily arrange some training for you, either coming out to your premises to perform that training on site or we can arrange to do it via a private video online session and provide the training remotely. Either of those options is available. If you want to take advantage of that, please do reply as soon as possible to me because uh, my diary is becoming full and it is important that we get all all new councillors trained up in GDPR as soon as we possibly can after the start of the new uh, council year.
But overall, some good news there for councillors and prospective councillors. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. On the subject of local elections, I know there's been concern among some uh, candidates, councillors, and especially new candidates, concerning quite how GDPR affects them when they are either speaking to the public at a street stall or indeed they are canvassing uh, by going door to door to people's properties. I've put together a useful crib sheet on this and if you would like a copy of the candidate's crib sheet regarding GDPR then please just drop me a line to podcasts at insurety.co.uk e-n-s-u-r-e-t-y.co.uk please make the subject line of your email candidates crib sheet and I will get that sent out to you as soon as I possibly can, certainly within a day of receiving your your request. Um, So please do request that if you would like it. As they uh, send an email with the subject of candidates crib list to uh, podcasts at insurity.co.uk. Check us out on Facebook. Just a reminder that as well as the podcast, we now have our own Facebook group. Please do pop along and see us there at https colon slash slash www.facebook.com slash groups slash GDPR weekly show. That's always one word, GDPR weekly show. And uh, do please come and join the group and follow the discussions that are going on. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. The government issued some statistics this week uh, concerning the take-up of GDPR by UK charities. And I think what they found was in some ways encouraging, in other ways dispiriting. Um, So just go through some of the key points that they found that when they spoke to charity trustees about GDPR and who saw it as a priority, in low-income charities, which is defined as charities with an income of under £100,000, 68% 68% said they considered it a priority, and that's versus 46% in 2018. 82% in charities with an income between 100,000 and 500,000 said it was a priority, and that compares with 76% in 2018. And then in high income charities, those with an income of in excess of half a million pounds a year. Uh, 94% of trustees said GDPR was a priority and that compares with 86% in 2018. So whilst there is a general increase upwards, I think it's slightly worrying, especially in low-income charities, that there's still 3 out of 10 who don't consider GDPR to be a priority. It's when you consider it's actually the law, um, you think maybe they would. So I think there's still work to be done there. 
But awareness has increased significantly. Um, 94% of trustees who took part in the survey were aware of GDPR. And so on the face of it, that sounds really good. That sounds like, you know, there's only 6% of trustees who aren't aware. And that probably breaks down really well. But when you start digging into the figures, you find that all is not as rosy as it first appears because only 68% of trustees were aware that the charity could be fined by the Information Commissioner's Office, the ICO, for personal data breaches. That's in low-income charities, below 100,000. With charities between 100,000 and half a million, that awareness of fines went up to 79%. And then above half a million, awareness went up to 88%. Now, I don't find that altogether surprising because a charity with an income of half a million pounds plus a year is probably far more likely to have a full-time DPO or at least a external DPO Data Protection Officer than uh, smaller charities. But then when we came down to looking at the need to report data breaches to the ICO within 72 hours of discovery, in low-income charities, those below 100,000, only 52% thought that the 72-hour rule applied to them. In mid-income charities between 100,000 and 500,000, 67% thought it applied to them. And in high-income charities above half a million pounds a year, 80% thought it applied to them. So again, we've got one in five charity trustees who don't think that they need to report data breaches to the ICO within 72 hours of discovery. So all in all, I think this highlights that the charity sector is in need of some help and uh, I'll be looking at what we can do to maybe come up with some training specifically aimed at charities for that. Um, because just 53% said they'd undertaken any uh, formal training and in 25% of low-income charities, trustees were never updated at all on cyber security. And so I think that's really quite frightening, especially when you look at the fact that 52% of charities believed that they had had a breach or a data attack within the last 12 months. And that they believed that the average annual cost for all charities that lost data or assets after breaches was £9,470. And when you think for charities particularly under £100,000 of income, then £9,470 is a big chunk to lose. 46% uh, felt that they had fallen victim at some time to phishing emails. 18% felt they'd had a virus or other malware. And 22% said that they'd been aware that others had tried impersonating the charity either in emails or actually online via a website. 83% 
believe that they have the training necessary to deal with GDPR, and yet that's clearly not true from the responses to the other questions. And of the charities there, on the low-income charities, below 100,000, 24% had actually sent their staff on some training or arranged some training or conferences in the last 12 months. And for mid-income, up to half a million, 30% had sent staff on cyber training. And above half a million, 56% had sent staff on formal training. But that still means that 44% of charities in the larger band have not had formal training, and that's for me as a uh, GDPR practitioner, really a, a worrying statistic. And so it further inspires me to think that I really need for Insurity to come up with some practical solutions for charities. And so I've made that among my team a priority for this year that we look at how best to achieve that. So if you're a charity, I'd really love to have your feedback. Um, I did carry out a GDPR audit for a local charity to me uh, on Friday, and I was pleased to say that they were actually doing everything they should be doing, and they have had their staff trained. And so actually they probably um, break the norm, but I'm hoping to get their... Uh, one of their managing trustees uh, onto a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show so that we can talk about the very real implications of GDPR for charities. So if you'd like to be part of that programme too, please do let me know. Just drop me an email to podcasts at insurety.co.uk. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. We are getting an increasing number of our customers now already contacting us to arrange an audit as now it's coming up to towards a year from when GDPR came in and they want to make sure that they're operating as they should be and we'd like to offer this service out to all of you, all of our listeners. Uh, So if you'd like us to perform an audit on your GDPR uh, operations and make sure that you are recording everything you need to be, that you have all the necessary procedures in place and that you know how to action those procedures, please do get in touch with us via podcasts at insurity.co.uk. That's podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T at insurity, E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y dot co.uk. Please make the subject of your email GDPR audit and we'll get the relevant person to contact you. Um, We're able to carry out audits either on-site or remotely, and for a pleasantly low cost. Um, I'm sure you'll be pleasantly surprised with the figure we're able to provide you with for providing the audit. I can't give a global figure here because it does affect, it does depend on how many employees, how many customers, how many records, etc you have Um, but please do get in contact with us it's totally without obligation but do get in contact with us to arrange an audit because uh, if you do want the audit done 
around May or June of this year to be annual from when GDPR came in. We are roughly filling our diaries for that period. So uh, don't delay, do get in touch, do it this week and we'll be pleased to provide you with a quote. And for the first five of you to contact us to request a, a data audit, a data breach audit, I'm pleased to be able to say that we will provide that to you for 50% of our normal fee. But that's only for the first five of you to contact us as a result of this podcast. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Over the pond in the USA, uh, Massachusetts has become the latest state to adopt laws based around many of the principles which are contained within GDPR. Uh, the new rules in Massachusetts take effect from April the 11th, 2019, and specifically relate to data breaches. And the law includes requirements for the encryption of personal data, the retention and storage of both digital and physical records, network security controls, firewalls, for example, risk management policies and practices, employee training, adequate documentation of data breaches, adequate documentation of data protection policies, and ensuring that any third parties provided have access to the data maintain the same standards. And any of you who've worked with GDPR or indeed have had my training with GDPR will see how much in common that has with GDPR. But one of the key areas that they really are strong to emphasize is the procedures in terms of data breach. And one of the proposals that they have, which I must admit, you know, this is, I should add, just in Massachusetts law at the moment, but I would not be that surprised if it didn't find its way back over to this side of the Atlantic to be used in GDPR at some point, but please don't tell you it's a GDPR at the moment, it isn't, it just applies to Massachusetts. But what they're saying is, is that any company who has a data breach will need to offer victims of the breach free credit monitoring reports for at least 18 months after the data breach. And if the agent, if the company, say, suffering the breach is actually involved in financial services, then they must provide a free credit monitoring for a minimum of 42 months, so three and a half years. Now, that doesn't sound too bad on the face of it, but when you work out that for a credit monitoring facility, that can cost anywhere between 12 and 20 pounds a month per individual and you've got to provide this or in in this case over in Massachusetts uh, organizations suffering a data breach have got to provide this for potentially three and a half years then that is a potentially big hit into an organization's finances 
And again, in similar vein to GDPR, the new Massachusetts data breach law also says that the organisation that experienced the data breach must file a report that shows that credit monitoring services have been offered to comply with this new statute. This is to ensure that those affected by the breach receive adequate monitoring. And they've also said that when the breach is reported, the organisation reporting the breach will need to provide the name and address of the organisation that experienced the breach, the name and the title of the person reporting the breach, and who they are, whether they are the data protection officer for the organisation or whether they're an external data protection officer, what kinds of personal information were compromised in the data security breach, if known who was at fault for the breach, and if the organisation has a written data breach policy, can they provide it and are they updating it? And this now is very similar to GDPR, JAWS. It's also very similar to the laws that have been adopted in California and the new Canada data breach laws. But on top of this, the Massachusetts data breach law is also being changed to disallow an organisation from delaying their breach notice by claiming that they've not been able to work out how many individuals have been affected. What they're saying, again, rather similar to GDPR, is that you must report it as early as possible, and of course with GDPR that's within 72 hours, even if you're not able to provide all the information required at that time. However, it is in Massachusetts also taking a further step in that they've said that not only do you have to write to the people who may have suffered the data breach and offer them this credit reporting service for uh, potentially up to three and a half years with no charge to the person, but you also need to produce a copy of that communication that you're sending out, i.e. a generic one, obviously not just to an individual, but the actual wording that you've been sending, and you need to make that available on your website. So, in a way, they've taken the data breach uh, procedures from within GDPR and given them a bit of added teeth and I think it'll be interesting to see what comes back from that as to any whether any of those elements come back and get implemented into GDPR on this side of the pond either across the whole of Europe or indeed assuming Brexit has actually happened by them um, just within UK law. And of course, if we have any updates to that, we will bring it to you in a future edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. Over the pond in the USA, uh, Massachusetts has become the latest state to adopt laws based around many of the principles which are contained within GDPR. Uh, the new rules in Massachusetts take effect from April the 11th, 2019, and specifically relate to data breaches. And the law includes requirements for the encryption of personal data, the retention and storage of both digital and physical records, network security controls, firewalls, for example, 
risk management policies and practices, employee training, adequate documentation of data breaches, adequate documentation of data protection policies, and ensuring that any third parties provided who have access to the data maintain the same standards. And any of you who've worked with GDPR or indeed have had my training with GDPR will see how much in common that has with GDPR. But one of the key areas that they really are strong to emphasize is the procedures in terms of data breach. And one of the proposals that they have, which I must admit, you know, this is, I should add, just in Massachusetts law at the moment, but I would not be that surprised if it didn't find its way back over to this side of the Atlantic to be used in GDPR at some point. But please don't tell you it's a GDPR at the moment. It isn't. It just applies to Massachusetts. But what they're saying is, is that any company who has a data breach will need to offer victims of the breach free credit monitoring reports for at least 18 months after the data breach. And if the agent, if the company, say, suffering the breach is actually involved in financial services, then they must provide a free credit monitoring for a minimum of 42 months, so three and a half years. Now, that doesn't sound too bad on the face of it, but when you work out that for a credit monitoring facility, that can cost anywhere between 12 and 20 pounds a month per individual, and you've got to provide this, or in, in this case over in Massachusetts, uh, organisations suffering a data breach have got to provide this for potentially three and a half years, then that is a potentially big hit into an organisation's finances. And again, in similar vein to GDPR, the new Massachusetts data breach law also says that the organisation that experienced the data breach must file a report that shows that credit monitoring services have been offered to comply with this new statute. This is to ensure that those affected by the breach receive adequate monitoring. And they've also said that when the breach is reported, the organisation reporting the breach will need to provide the name and an address of the organisation that experienced the breach, the name and the title of the person reporting the breach, and who they are, whether they are the data protection officer for the organisation or whether they're an external data protection officer, what kinds of personal information were compromised in the data security breach, if known, who was at fault for the breach, and if the organisation has a written data breach policy, can they provide it and are they updating it? And this now is very similar to GDPR, of course. This was very similar to the laws that have been adopted in California and the new Canada data breach laws. But on top of this, the Massachusetts data breach law is also being changed to disallow an organisation from delaying their breach notice by claiming that they've not been able to work out how many individuals have been affected. What they're saying, again, rather similar to GDPR, is that you must report it as early as possible, and of course with GDPR that's within 72 hours, 
even if you're not able to provide all the information required at that time. However, it is in Massachusetts also taking a further step in that they've said that not only do you have to write to the people who may have suffered the data breach and offer them this credit reporting service for uh, potentially up to three and a half years with no charge to the person, but you also need to produce a copy of that communication that you're sending out, i.e. a generic one, obviously not just to an individual, but the actual wording that you've been sending, and you need to make that available on your website. So, in a way, they've taken the data breach uh, procedures from within GDPR and given them a bit of added teeth. And I think it'll be interesting to see what comes back from that as to any whether any of those elements come back and get implemented into GDPR on this side of the pond, either across the whole of Europe or indeed assuming Brexit has actually happened by them um, just within UK law. And of course if we have any updates to that we will bring it to you in a future edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host Keith Budden. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. I hope you found it useful. I hope you found it entertaining. Please do let me know. Let me have your feedback by sending an email to podcast.insurity.co.uk. You can find out more about us and Insurity at www.insurity.co.uk. And I look forward to speaking to you again, same time, same place, next week. Have a good week, everybody, and remember to keep your data safe. Check us out on Facebook. The GDPR Weekly Show is an Insurity production. Follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash insurity.